0: Mark's Madness Collaboration. I was like, why isn't it why is the <laughs> probably because there hit was the Nathan button. Hit the Nathan button. There was
1: noise cancellation or something. I probably hit an octave that the computer didn't like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how this is gonna work. Uh welcome back to Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. My name is Nathan.
0: My name's David.
1: David, why are you fighting your microphone
2: actively on camera right I now?
0: I I don't know. I should have muted it. My bad. <laughs> oh um, my
2: God. So if, you know it's a good time to do this. <laughs> Solid. All pulse. right, we're good. Sol- good t-
0: All right, good time. Sol-
2: God. <laughs> Mic <Mike> checks, everyone. <laughs> Mid, mid episode. Okay.
0: We hit the Nathan button and got all three of us back. Oh. And like five seconds in, I'm already fucking nice. it up. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome Sucking back to all again. of us
0: here, healthy, ready
1: to read. But before we read, we are want to talk about some current events. And in this case, those current events include China, which means I'm going to kick it over to yes. David.
0: So, just a little cut and dry. um, China is responding to protests because, amazingly, countries do that, right? Um, You know, we've got this this idea in our heads that, and I'd rather have people have the caution. You know, I've said before, if you're wrong in the way that's more revolutionary, useful initially. That's good. You just have to be careful because we are materialists. We're not contrarians. So you do have to actually, you know, investigate. And a lot of protests happen in every country. Um, and sometimes governments do respond to it. You know, that's, I mean, we, the example I always turn back to is like East Germany, uh, when it was existent towards the end, was the leader in LGBTQ plus rights in the world on several levels. And it didn't get that way on its founding. That took time. That took protests. That took fighting, um, by LGBTQ. TQ plus people um and so people were protesting in china for you know uh both working condition rights against foxconn and uh easing of covid restrictions because of course the, the zero covid policy that they call people first we we call it zero covid um that you know has its struggles, has its downsides. There's people, you know, that'll be in small rooms for extended periods of time. There is food promise that doesn't always fully get there and leaves people, you know, hungry. Um, but for the most part, you know, locking people down, free food, saving millions of lives is a good policy. And the people protest, there were small protests, but they're definitely big enough to make some noise and uh the chinese government said hey this is a people first policy we need to make sure you know there's been excesses in it and people leveraging it for power things like that we need to make sure to clean that stuff up and they're going to listen to the protests and loose covid restrictions it's amazing how that happens um and then of course in in propaganda a- another aspect of it's not really lies it's it's emphasis right sometimes it's how much stuff is covered sometimes that's all the nasty language put about stuff. Sometimes it's how things are spun. And this is something that Parenti talked about in, in black shirts and reds, you know, when he was going on about like, if the churches were empty, it meant that the, you know, communist regime was stamping down with its atheism on, on religion. If the churches were full, it was, you know, people were thumbing the regime and practicing the religion. There's always some spin to it. So it was totally all unfalsifiable. And the same thing happened here, right? First protests are something you can't do in other countries. That's your freedom of speech. Well, New York Times literally put
2: out a mm. fucking article today saying, "Oh, uh, are they ready to deal with the possible uh, backlash and side effects of yeah, uh,
0: COVID restrictions?" It's like make a right. They've been screaming like zero COVID totalitarian and and, da, 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 and and we're right to let millions of people die, and then they actually like loosen up, and it's like, uh, well, welcome to the consequences. It's like what the fuck? Um, but, yeah, the protest first, it was like, you know, you can't protest. And then it was they clamped down so much on protesters and like the protesters were not getting beat up and, you know, arrested in unmarked vans and shot and tear gassed chemical L- that yeah was
2: used on them that nobody really knows what it was but it
0: right like like literal torture noise blasting cars like fucking tanks that go through and shit like that um that put out those those sonic waves and shit you know none of that none of that was happening but they were cracking down on protests and now the government listens and they're paper tigers and this is showing the weakness of the regime and it's a pending collapse and it's like motherfuckers nothing nothing will make you happy it's always spin China is always mm-hmm. about to collapse. Yes. So. Yeah, and and again, that's that's you know the basic. I think that was talked about in ur fascism is is you know you're always the strongest and the weakest at the same time, and so are your enemies, right? They're always uh, a weak little you know undeserving failure that that is going to collapse, and and you will be victorious. Uh, but they're also this impending threat that must always be fought and be prepared for.
1: Yeah. It's that thing you hear with – it's that thing you – it's directly with communism. It's the way we talk about communism in this country, especially from a white ring perspective of it's Oh, it it inevitably collapses. Oh, it fails every time you've ever tried it. But it's also the second it pops up, it's like we must crush it. Everything, all the money, every bit of our funding must go to absolutely destroying this thing. And it's like what –
2: it fails. I spend millions of dollars, yeah. for no reason. <laughs> it's like
1: the, a, the, not a good, bar, not a good bargain.
0: Doesn't- yeah, I mean, they they have all these formal outlets, like you know, the CIA, NATO, all set explicitly to crush communism. And this, like, what are what are those for then? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Uh. Well, any other current events that we need to get to this week? Um, I don't know how much we want to dig into anti-Semitism. We know it's rising. Oh, um, we know oh. it gets blamed on. Yeah, we, we Well, like
2: Mopin like has an entire chapter about how the Jews. Yeah, yeah, out. and so that's yeah. so, that, like, so that's that's uh... been
0: brewing in the in the Pat sock circles for a while. But also, you know, there's uh, because Garvey was anti-Semitic. And because it's always, you know, can't possibly, the problems of white supremacy can never possibly be laid always on the feet of of white people. There's always got to be a scapegoat, right? So like, you know, our imperialism is always like China's imperialism and, and the fascists that we unleashed. Uh, in the Muslim world are always just, you know, Muslim fundamentalists that we have to protect our freedoms against and, and all that shit, right? It's always the black nationalists that are the, the true anti-Semites that have to look out. And so, of course, when someone is explicitly, horrendously and evilly anti-Semitic like Kanye West, uh, and they happen to be black, existential battle. And that's not the case, right? A battle against, a battle against anti-Semitism in, in, in a battle against um, you know anti-black racism are the exact same battle they're part of a, a larger decolonial battle battle and against oppressive. yeah against white supremacy Not black people versus uh jewish people it's you know oppressed and colonized people against white supremacy end of story and of course there's going to be divisions and contradictions in between those oppressed groups but that doesn't mean that the source of oppression is coming from each other absolutely
2: facts Well, that's like Jay Sakai really misses that point, and that's where the anti-Semitism claims are valid.
1: Well, that all being said, let us transition into the work for the week. We are starting back with the Red Deal. We are on page 54 uh, of uh, the Chapter 1, Divest uh, and the Occupation, and we are starting on the middle paragraph with... Gendered violence and anti-Indian violence have long upheld the colonial project of resource exploitation, relocation, displacement, and genocide since the first military outposts and forts were constructed along the western frontier of the fledgling United States. Native women and girls were lured, sold, and kidnapped to be sex trafficked to soldiers and traders who manned these outposts and forts, and the same happens today in settler cities. Border towns are the original man camps. When, man, when men who worked in extractive industries live while on the job in oil and gas, logging and mining, one of the first lines of struggle to end border town violence is the... M-M-I-W-G-2-S campaign.
0: So that's that's missing and murdered murdered indigenous indigenous women, women girls, and and two two spirits. spirits Holy crap.
1: Sorry, that took... Okay. All right. Yeah. Can I say it's late? It's not now late. we're
2: getting technical.
1: It's not late.
2: No, no, yeah. It's, um,
1: another front line against border town violence that needs urgent attention is unsheltered native populations who face a large portion of settler violence, both state and private, yet rarely receive justice when they tar- when they are targeted by police, Indian rollers, white supremacists, or white business owners. Unsheltered indigenous people are criminalized for merely existing and are constantly forced to move from place to place to avoid arrest and harassment. White business owners respond violently to unsheltered native people because of their disruption to the capitalist economy and to the image of border towns as tourist traps selling native cultural items as trinkets. Therefore, we must move to organize unsheltered relatives into communities capable of defending themselves from settler violence and to directly advocate for their safety and well-being.
2: Especially now as, like, queer Mm -hmm. violence is
0: on the rise, too. Like, community
2: defense has never been more. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay, so we were talking about current events. I forgot that just happened yesterday. There was a uh, drag show in North Carolina Well, thankfully, it wasn't like busting into the drag show and shooting them directly, but it was the same kind of fascist terrorism. They shot up like power transformers to shut down the whole block, and now forty thousand people are without power. Oh yeah, yeah. They did a coordinated attack. Just did a a
1: coordinated attack with firearms on switch boxes across the Mm -hmm. county, across the county, and like shut down power to forty thousand people. And this
2: isn't showing up all over. I saw it
0: on Twitter this morning. Like this, yeah, I I barely. But that's why I forgot about it. I I just saw it it coming and going. But it was a blip, as nearly
2: as big of a story as it should be. This would be well. Okay, this might be conspiratorial, but it's weird that Elon's in charge Right. All of a sudden, when the right's burning down (laughs) cities, if we're going to, you know, be hyperbolic like the right, you know. Like, they're sabotaging...
0: Oh, yeah. Censorship. Yeah, that is... I mean, I, I don't like the word terrorism because you can, like, like slap terrorism. it on anything, but there is a, like, terrorism in our head that has a definition. That's it. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: Pat Sosius were calling me a terrorist the other day, and I was like, dude, I'm a revolutionary. You're so
0: fucking... Right, stupid.
2: right. And sometimes... Like... But this, this is actual terrorism and they, yeah,
0: like sometimes the difference between terrorism and, and what's accused of terrorism is hyperbole. Sometimes the difference is, is political ideology and, and like, you know, if you, whether you support it or not, but sometimes it's just like unquestionably that is terrorism. Right. So like, you know, there's nothing revolutionary about the nine 11 attacks. So they threw around terrorism, all kinds of crazy, but those planes flying into buildings, that was terrorism. This is fucking terrorism. I'm sorry. It is. It just fucking is. But, yeah, it, it didn't seem to make that big of a news story. And then my understanding is, of course, um, there's already people on the right, like, looking to to run cover for it because, obviously, and this is a white supremacist settled colony. So I'm sure this will wind up coming down on, like, one or two people not that harshly and not being remotely, uh, you know, resolved.
1: Yeah, not in any meaningful capacity. All right. Tent cities, which are autonomous communities of unsheltered people with communal services and their own forms of governance, have been successful in providing unsheltered people with safety in numbers, access to food, medical attention, and supplies, as well as a sense of community rather than social isolation. We call on everyone to defend tent cities from the frequent police raids and sweeps that have destroyed tent cities across the country." We also believe that the formation of tent cities should be politicized against settler colonial violence, creating spaces explicitly open to unsheltered Native people who have been displaced from their homelands.
2: You know white people that are allowed to, like, compare their struggle hmm. to Natives right now? It's a home- if any, like, houseless relative that's, you know, white, you know, because... You're clearly having it a whole lot fucking worse than most people in this fucking country, and like that's the closest a settler might ever come to experience what we experience the displacement from where we belong, you know, and a settler doesn't necessarily belong here, but you feel like you do, don't you yep absolutely uh
1: we oh uh, oh God uh. We must ensure our unsheltered relatives are isolated, are involved in the organizing we do for climate and economic justice, housing for all, health care, and anything that will impact them. Similarly, we urge everyone to organize with unsheltered people against anti poor and anti homeless laws like trespassing restrictions, trespassing restrictions on panhandling, sleeping in public, and others that criminalize poverty and homelessness. These local laws have spread to cities with significant unsheltered populations, criminalizing and displacing people rather than addressing the underlying problems of settler capitalism. There are many ongoing campaigns to repeal or prevent these laws from passing, often led by unsheltered advocacy groups. If there aren't any yet, we encourage local groups to initiate them. It is critical to protect unsheltered relatives in border towns where anti-Indian logic marks many for death. One of the obstacles. Oh.
0: oh, I was I was going to say, I know we're supposed to do the current events at the beginning to get them out of the way. And this is more about your local organizing, not depending on the government that has you know, supported the system that caused the houselessness and, and pays for the cops in the first place. Um, but a bit of good news. I forgot. I think it was. It was somewhere in Colorado. Was it Boulder? It was somewhere in Colorado. They were having uh, issues with uh, you know people frequently being arrested when they're houseless because that's a cycle of of poverty and a cycle of arrest. And so they're making like actual housing for people to live in now i don't know why new buildings need to be constructed but this is like to live in this is not a shelter and i don't know what determines like if you're a problem person that needs to go in here if this is going to kind of become a de facto jail but this is to keep them out of jail and actually house them so that i'm a little skeptical but that seemed like some pretty good news and there are sometimes like that seems like a slip like it sounds like it could be good but then also it seems like it could slide right
2: into like a labor yeah
0: i i still i feel I so feel like – I, I, yeah, because, I mean, there are some problems associated with shelters that, that that seems like it doesn't solve, but then a lot associated with shelters that it does. Well, is this like the police? Uh, it's the city doing what, what it, so the this? police will definitely be involved. Uh, my one caveat yeah, that makes that's... it like a possibility that it's okay, even though it scares me that the cops are so involved, is sometimes there's are programs that are police run that slip through cracks like the needle exchange programs that actually do some good. So maybe this sure. will be like I that, just, and look. that's in it read like it would be something yeah. like that, but I don't know. Like that's police oversight against people who are getting arrested a lot and are houseless, and they do got a lot of weed money. <laughs> yeah. so let's hope that Yeah. up and uh, yeah, quality. It, it's not gonna, but you know, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> think fingers crossed.
2: I mean, like if the state revenue was replaced, but from arresting all those people smoking weed, right? <laughs> that's true.
0: Yeah. That's true. You think.
2: I mean, that would make sense, but I guess that's what Marx calls contradictions, huh? We're doing <laughs>
1: dialectics.
2: What? Remember, this is a
1: callback. One of the obstacles preventing Native people from being protected in settler society is the limitations imposed on tribal sovereignty. In 1978, the Supreme Court ruled an oliphant verse. Oh... Squamish, 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 Indian tribe that Indi- indigenous nations could not prosecute non-natives for crimes they committed on reservation lands or against tribal citizens off reservation. They based this ruling on conclusions that "quote unquote" Congress's action during the 19th century reflected that body's belief that Indian tribes do not have inherent criminal jurisdiction over non-Indians. Which was, of course, during the Indian Wars and genocidal militia incursions throughout the West. Of course it was. A latter case ruled that...
2: I was going to say, like, uh, the Fort Laramie Treaty, the government's supposed to prevent white people from coming in and mining Mm -hmm. gold illegally. And then they just Just
0: stopped it's fun so that's cool it's it's amazing that there's only components that are upheld and the outcome of that is always that like white people committing crimes against indigenous people even on uh the sovereign you know treaty lands no no reason to to prosecute but like someone indigenous commits a, a crime um off the reservation, or even certain crimes, maybe on the reservation, uh, towards the, the white settler colony, and the white settler colony can try them or at least decide if it's the white settler colony's jurisdiction. That's totally not apartheid.
1: Nope. A later case ruled that tribes could not try members of other tribes until an act of Congress made it so that tribal nations could prosecute other native people, but not white settlers. This double standard demonstrates the racist notions of white superiority enforced by the courts. The result of this limitation on jurisdiction has been the relative powerlessness for tribes and tribal members to seek justice for crimes committed against them by settlers on and off reservation lands. Particularly in crimes related to sexual and gender violence, this limitation contributes to the continued colonial and patriarchal violence inflicted on Native communities and is part of the reason why sexual assault perpetrated by non-Natives is so common for Native women. Man camps, Christian missions, trading posts, and border towns are all sites where settlers interact with Native peoples without accountability what mm,
0: what's a man camp it it said it earlier that's where uh, a bunch of white people are settlers they're just workers for any corporation go to do some kind of resource extraction job oh, and have this. to live on site okay yeah like oil fields or logging fields we go. or stuff like that yep. there we go thank you
1: see this is why yeah. you have a group This extends to violence against Native people in border towns whose cases are not pursued by settler courts and are beyond the jurisdiction of their own tribes' courts. For this reason, we encourage tribal citizens to lobby their tribal governments to enforce treaty rights that follow tribal citizens rather than being tied to a particular geographical location, as they currently are. Just as American citizens' rights follow them even when they enter and commit crimes in tribal communities, treaty rights should follow Native people wherever they go, even off reservation. When Native people... Oh, yeah.
2: And and, so, like, Lambek, like, in practice in a revolutionary society, would be upholding these treaties beyond reservations. Right? Like... Like, and I mean, I would like to say we wouldn't have reservations, but, you know, like... I'm being really, really... Like, imagine if reform worked. Mm -hmm. You know? Like... (laughs) We could try a plural national society, but (laughs) Marxism is a science for a reason. And we all know how that's going to turn out if we look at Bolivia. Three years! They've been in the middle of repeated coup attempts. Three years. This is what happens when you vote in socialism instead of like maintaining people's militias, fucking rooting out corruption and fucking fascists, like ugh. authoritarianism, people. Try it.
1: Top left corner. It's where all the cool kids hang out. <laughs> 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 uh, da, 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 da. When native peoples have been attacked or murdered in border towns by settlers, there has been no resource for tribal governments except to punish, publish statements condemning the attacks and asking settler courts to prosecute the cases. Treaty rights as agreements between sovereign nations must be extended to our relatives off reservation in order to protect them from the violence of border towns. One action that we have seen done successfully in police and prison abolition campaigns against fossil fuel corporations and in human rights efforts globally is the people's tribunal. Rather than taking our complaints to the settler courts that deny native people's sovereignty and other colonized people's humanity, a people's tribunal puts judgment and justice in the hands of the people. For example, When companies have polluted communities through industrial waste but have not been held accountable by the state, people have organized to express their own verdict on corporations that harm them and declare what action will be necessary to remedy those harms. While normally symbolic and educational in nature, the People's Tribunal can carry out investigations into police and vigilante violence, discrimination, and exploitation that occurs in a community hear testimony from witnesses and victims, and present recommendations to local governments for changes that the people identify as necessary. They are public gatherings that can develop in our communities a sense of control over our own safety, especially in hostile border towns intent on erasing Native people.
0: Ah, we've moved on to a new section. You're, you're muted, Oh, hold on, Nathan. She might have was talking, but was also muted.
2: Damn it. Another example of a people's tribunal could be seen with Ames red ribbon committees uh, that actually caused a stir through like public display uh, that resulted in change uh, without police reaction is the most important part that liberals would consider like justified and like proper protest. You know, uh, and they would summon the official to public location and then publicize their crimes. So, like, you know, if uh, you committed sexual assault against a minor and they you don't show up, people can say whatever the fuck they want. So a lot of times people showed up to these and then got called, you know, out on this. And then, you know, their reaction made it very clear what was true and what wasn't. Right. You know, as soon as they start, oh, this is ridiculous! Blah, 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 you know, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. See what's going on here. <laughs> but like, uh, and then also after the Cuban Revolution, I mean, yeah, that was pretty badass. More than.
1: <laughs> uh, we are starting a new section. Does somebody else want to read for this section, or for the first page or so?
2: I can. I,
0: okay.
2: Abolish incarceration. Prisons, juvenile detention facilities, jails, and border security. Incarceration is not an indigenous practice. The idea of locking people up as punishment was brought to Turtle Island with the European settlers who colonized it. In Europe, they had established debtor prisons to punish those who could not survive within the emerging capitalist economy or to persecute religious minorities and dungeons. In America, prisons and in- have historical ties to racialized slavery. Chattel slavery, owning people as property, required extreme forms of violence, fear, and discipline to maintain. Uh, African and indigenous people who were enslaved to work on plantations resisted in many ways, including escape. Settlers formed slave patrols and militias to hunt indigenous people that later evolved into the current institutions of police and military we face today. Prisons and jails, in particular, have a deep connection to racialized slavery. Even after it was abolished, former plantations were converted into prison work camps where black people arrested for any number of minor crimes, quote-unquote, laid out by racist laws, were forced back into slave labor. The 13th Amendment, which outlaws slavery except as punishment for a crime, actually expanded the available forced labor to include poor people, even if they were not black. Prisons and jails today serve to remove people from our communities, breaking up families and disrupting kinship while either forcing them to work or labeling them unemployable if they are charged with felonies. Incarceration in the United States has proliferated over the past decades to levels unseen anywhere in the world. In fact, while it is only 5% of the world's population, the U.S. holds 20% of the world's prisoners. There are over 2 million people who have been incarcerated in their lifetimes. And when we include people on uh, parole, probation, in jails, and prisons, one in every 35 people, 7 million total in the United States, are currently under state surveillance or direct control. Over nine, 90,000 youth under the age of 18 are incarcerated in either juvenile detention centers or have tried as adults in adult facilities. This mass incarceration is, of course, racialized with indigenous people locked up at rates much higher than, their proportion, than other proportions of the U.S. population. Incarceration has had direct effects on millions of our communities as well as their families, which often take on the financial burden of supporting their incarcerated family members. Mass incarceration involves massive amounts of money and tax dollars spent with an average of 148000 spent per person uh, incarcerated per year in the costs paid by inmates who must purchase their own soap, clothes, and other necessary items, as well as by families of inmates who have to travel to remote locations for visit or pay for collect phone. And, and video they charge copies. you
0: out the ass they in the to- commissary. They rip you off oh so hard God. on purpose. Yeah. And a lot of those are third-party companies that are property well, so-
2: here uh in the like uh county jail that i've frequented so often um they uh if you have any debt on the books everything costs double and half of that goes oh, to your, your debt so you have to pay double to get anything Jesus. even if you need it so like a stamp goes from 50 cents to a dollar you know but then like you play poker with people and they ain't, they ain't your stamp doesn't cost a dollar. You know, your stamp's yep. still 50 cents. Anyway, it's
0: <laughs> I'm mad at <of> jail still. <laughs> I mean, as you always could be. We're on a section uh, of a section where we're talking about how this country imprisons children. Like we don't ever think about that fact because well, we're so oh. in, like so stuck with it every day, but we we imprison children just I know we never get to let that sink in, well, but I'm let sure. it sink in for once
2: if it doesn't mention it i'm sure it's going to about foster care um there's like this family here who like i mean uses indigenous children who are pre- predominantly taking up the foster care system as slave labor on their farm and like at their rodeo and shit like i mean this is like classic mm-hmm. fucking frontier shit to be honest and then they adopt them and shit after like uh like i mean brainwashing i mean they fuck with the kids it's pretty bad um and it's a long-standing battle that there's no headway in really besides like after the kids leave and that doesn't matter when this harm is perpetuated right in my opinion uh but like my brother you know he went into that system and then um you know he ends up in prison several times and uh like i mean we're poor we can't help him as much as we would have liked to so he had to wear his like fucking you know jail crocs i mean not jail crocs prison crocs down to like i mean there was holes Jeez. in the bottom of the soles and that's when we like we're, okay we have to get him in his shoes Jeez. Yeah. you know so it's like we don't want him to suffer like that more than he already is like that's real sad stuff i don't care what crime that person committed that's yeah fucked up you're already in prison and like that doesn't even touch on like things that happen in there you know once you go in so it's just it's real messed up and then you come back i mean brainwashed Mm -hmm. by the system you really are because i mean it is enforced white supremacy is enforced by the guards so it's fucked up shit um anyway, uh, the interconnected system I'm sure this is gonna come up in the book, so in before <laughs> shut up and let the, book be here. <laughs> <laughs> the interconnected systems of laws, prisons, corporations that use cheap labor from inmates and all other institutions profiting fr- or from incarceration is what is known as the prison industrial complex. PIC PIC. The PIC extracts profit from the suffering and bondage of our communities while disrupting our social relations. More recently, we have seen the prison industrial complex expand to lock up migrants with the creation of ice and CBP in 2003.
0: Custom, Custom border, border patrol. patrol. Yeah, there was, so there was a border patrol before, and it was largely built up by Clinton in the nineties, but it's not just ice that was created under Bush in the same as like the war on terror and the war in Iraq, but that same bill, created custom and border patrol so it took the border patrol that was there beefed it way the fuck up and then threw ice on top of that um and and technically it's two new institutions there used to be one that was kind of the, the shell the proto cbp uh, but cbp are actually the ones that are out there like you know making sure it's illegal to, to leave water for people and then going around destroying the water yeah they're the one. yeah the yeah water, they're the ones yeah. doing all that shit they they okay. were the
2: ice is like the concentration.
0: Right, right. CBP are the ones that are like, you okay. know, sitting out in the desert at night in their truck ready to like flap the lights on and shit like, like they're, they're the assholes wearing the green okay. uniforms.
2: Cool. So under bipartisan federal administrations, immigrant detention and deportation has risen in response to the growing migration of people fleeing neoliberal economic policies and violence in Latin America, as well as climate disasters uh city and county jails have turned to incarcerating detained migrants caught on the border of within or within the country and new migrant detention centers have been built by the federal government in collaboration with private prison companies and even religious institutions the uh like baptist child and family services i always forget that um which operates multiple migrant detention centers in texas that's what? classic church shit holy what? fuck I forgot
0: that part. (laughs) Like, the the, church... Yeah, the the ICE concentration camps aren't just like the state-owned shit. Like, they're like church-built concentration camps that ICE throws people into. Or, I'm sorry, immigrant detention facilities now that Biden's in office.
2: This this is the modern boarding school. I mean... And the church is like, yeah, we're fucking experts. They're just... We're just here to take care
0: of the kids that have lost their parents that were ripped away by the fucking system. Don't worry. We're the church. We're the church. We're great. Jesus loves you.
2: Anyway, uh, uh, where are we? Trump's family separation policy initiated in 27 made it so that all migrant children crossing the border, including those seeking asylum, would be taken from their families and placed in youth detention centers. It is important to pay attention to the vulnerable populations that are targeted and impacted by incarceration. For example, LGBTQ2 plus people are inspired. uh, uh, No, no, that is not (laughs) what that is. People are disproportionately (laughs) criminalized. They're inspired by (laughs) criminalization, (laughs) but are are disproportionately criminalized and incarcerated and are often mistreated once inside jails that are organized around strict gender binaries. Many who are incarcerated and excluded from employment are forced onto the streets where they are at even greater risk of police violence and harassment, as well as gender and sexual violence. Single mothers and parents of color are also especially vulnerable to incarceration. Single mothers and parents of let's take them from the top. <laughs> Single mothers and parents of color are are also especially vulnerable, as incarceration typically leads to loss of employment, and very often can result in losing custody of their children while they are incarcerated. We must pay particular attention to the ways the incarceration disrupts our communities' ability to survive, maintain kinship, and live dignified lives. Um, and so. These are my words. If you talk to indigenous people, uh, most know somebody who's been to jail or in a psychiatric unit. Uh, my uncle calls it a right, uh, like a, a practical rite of passage. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it is common to attack mentally ill people, drug them, and put them in the ER, claiming they tried to commit suicide or um, that we were overdosing or something like that. Like the cops just found us like that. And that they found you beaten and uh, bruised, you know, (laughs) conveniently. Uh, Sometimes it happens while you're drunk, you know. The stories only get worse. And in states like Michigan, anyone involved in a fight uh, is charged with assault. So both parties. So if a white supremacist comes up to you and attacks you and you fight back, you too will go to jail. And in South Dakota, in the border towns, if you are assaulted uh it's because you invaded a settler space you know so it's actually your fault for being off the res and they will put you in a psychiatric unit before they ever go after that settler uh, you could you can see that's true these are things that happen to me that's the worst part is this happened to me
0: this isn't like
2: yeah <laughs> uh-huh. It's well, you you can see how full
0: of shit the whole like, you know, my your rights end where mine begin means because when those come in conflict, they always mean theirs and they mean it violently when they say that shit. Oh, yeah.
2: and I mean, sometimes it's not even like, you know, you can just exist in a bar in South Dakota. Somebody could be racist to you and be like, can you just shut the fuck up? And then that's enough. How dare you tell them not to be racist to you? So, uh, continuing with the reading with the current dominance of incarceration as a solution, quote unquote, to settler society's problems. Many social services include mental health and drug, re- including mental health and drug rehabilitation are administrated through carceral institutions. We must begin to create viable alternatives to incarceration that address these needs of our communities. Uh, and we cannot rely on police who murder us or prisons that, dehumanize us to provide the services we need. Domestic violence support, as well as shelters for indigenous women, LGBTQ2 plus people, and unsheltered people are are areas where we need to build networks of support outside of the carceral state because we do not believe the systems created for enslavement, brutalization, oppression can be reformed. We invite you to join our struggles for abolition of prisons, jails, juvenile detention centers, excuse me, and border security agencies and facilities. While calls for abolition have recently increased due to the uprisings against uh, police brutality, abolition has a long history, especially among black people who resisted enslavement and have led the movement to abolish incarceration. We look to the work of 20th century prison abolitionists, as well as those who carry on the work today. And we urge you to join the support, the work of organizations like Insight, uh, critical resistance in the movement for black lives And many others working explicitly Towards prison abolition
1: Thank you for reading that section I can take back over now Well I was I'm Oh, oh
2: you've <laughs>
0: <this one. laughs> Oh the thing The invisible post are back
2: baby <laughs> They're back Yeah oh, oh. Two on this one <laughs> We got through like three pages I No like, we're doing right. good <laughs> It was planned. <laughs>
1: Hit me with your best news. Anyway, uh,
2: what a, one of my favorite organiza- or, organize, organization techniques, I guess that's okay, but organizing techniques I've seen internationally is a project called, uh, well, a project that my fr- comrade uh, Kieran in Australia helps uh, with called the Freedom Van that helps um, pick up domestic violence survivors bring some of their stuff because one of the biggest things that prevent people from leaving is lack of transportation and the inability to take things that are theirs. So if you leave them, there's a good chance they'll be broken, you know. Um and so they uh well first off, uh we have an episode on this on the Bands of Turtle Island feed covering the Rec Bay community, uh Water Relief Drive we will be doing a follow-up this coming year. Um you know, check out at Bands Island and at Chunkalutha 1973 for updates on that. Uh But overall, this is like an incredible idea. Like what org doesn't have like $5,000 that can get a fucking utility van? You know, or, you know, what org? It, okay, if you can't raise $5,000 as an org, please join an org. You're siphoning off money. You'll be better used with direction, okay? I I don't want to offend you, but you you should be able to raise five thousand dollars for a utility van to help domestic violence survivors. This should be something every communist party has. Not to mention, you know how much you can do with a utility I, van. Because- oh yeah, oh. yeah. You could take yeah. oh. you could
0: take supplies to, to uh, houseless people. There's all kinds of yeah. things you can do.
2: I mean, that's going to be next year. Well, first, we're raising money for PAGG to get a new laptop and, like, a setup. But um, uh, that's probably going to be the next goal is to get, like, a utility van or, like, a pickup truck or something that we Mm -hmm. can help people all stuff around and, freaking well, you know, gather wood. (laughs) You know, how much free wood is all around? So utility
1: van. Fantastic. (laughs) Because you know what? You can airbrush really cool dragons and wizards on the
2: side of it underrated feature <laughs> that's true that's true what was the airbrush design we were going to do at the beginning of the season oh
1: god i forget we we did talk it. about it this is the, this is
2: the second time airbrushing <laughs> has come up this it is, is it is a callback is it is back. officially airbrush. a callback oh, no. van is a necessity in fact you can hire me to airbrush there we go Kility van. i do airbrushing <laughs> uh But another good idea is a safe. This is one the Black Panthers did. Is a safe house uh, ran for like women and femmes that's democratically ran by them. You know, uh, which you know, you as an organization paying for a safe house for these people shouldn't dictate a whole lot to them about how it should be ran. You know, that's not cool. (laughs) You're just being landlords (laughs) at that point. You know. So like, you know, help teach them how to organize themselves. That's what you should be doing. You should be, you know, teaching a person how to mm-hmm. fish rather than mm-hmm. catching it for them. Right. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> and that's my note.
0: Yeah. No, and that's that's, that's a good note. I really like that van idea too, because if and anybody that's, you know, been around abuse, they so understand good. too. It's not just it's not just that things get destroyed and they always get destroyed. It's that it, it, they they know what's irreplaceable. They know what's value isn't money, and they go mm-hmm. right there. Absolutely. Yep. They do it every time. Yep.
1: Well, we are moving into Area 4 and occupation everywhere. The United States owns the deadliest and most funded military power in the world. Invest more in its military than the next seven largest military powers combined the US military also owns more international military bases than any other country.
2: Oh, okay. And so when when you when you're like what's land back? This this is all land back. All of that we've been discussing here. This is all part of what land back is. Okay? You can't have land back without considering all these things and there's more to consider. That's why I have a bunch of post-it notes throughout this fucking book. And we read chapter four of one book and read another book. And I keep telling you all to read a whole nother book on top of this. And then a whole nother book after that called "Decolonial Colonial Marxism by Walter Rodney and like Groundings with my brother. Blah, blah, blah. You know, the list goes on. <laughs> That's why I'm going to rip off these guys' format and just start reading. On my- oh my- God, it's a rip off. <laughs> It's a ripoff of a ripoff. We're doing ripoffception. Yeah.
1: Why does the United States invest so heavily in its military? The answer can be found in the creation of the U.S. settler sovereignty, forged through war against indigenous nations in its oh, forged for, uh, through war against indigenous nations. In its early years of existence, the United States needed free land to repay war debts following its war of independence with Great Britain. Looking westward from its original settler colonies to find this land, it created the first federal administration of Indian Affairs office within the Department of War in 1789 to negotiate treaties with indigenous peoples to take land in fair trade. However, when indigenous people refused to sell their land, George Washington and the United States were ready to wage war, or in Washington's words, to
2: extirpate indigenous people. Ew. I I think it might be my episode one of Bands of Turtle Island where I go over some of the grotesque quotes from, like, Washington, Jefferson, and stuff like that. Like, some of them including, like, if we are ever to raise our hatchet against the natives, we must never st- cease until they are dead.
0: <sighs> yeah, they were... They- <laughs> Genocide isn't an accident. We'll just say that. Like, they, they know what they do. The
1: yeah. You don't yeah. oops-a-doodles. The
0: Rights. Sorry. Sorry.
1: You don't know, oops-a-doodles your way into a genocide. Ah. Uh, Oopsie. <laughs> these efforts failed largely because indigenous nations were more powerful than the 13 states at the time. The fledgling U.S. government waited until another opportunity arose some 30 years later to to attack these nations and gain control of their lands this time it was through legalized theft the most belligerent of these laws the marshall trilogy 1823 to 1832
2: hate the marshall trilogy every time i see it my brain just fucking smash my fucking head off a wall Unilaterally change
1: the status of native nations from foreign nations, their status according to treaties, to colonized subjects of the United States. Uh neat that they just did
2: that. Pen and paper, pen and neat paper. that they just did that. Like I, I don't think people quite understand how genocide and stuff works, but it's it's written down. Yeah. It is written down. It is undeniable. Please stop. Debating my genocide, whether it's ongoing or not. It is planned out. Holy fuck. Between 1823 and
1: 1832, the U.S. Supreme Court's first Chief Justice, John Marshall, as Dene geographer Andrew Curley states, defined the status and rights of indigenous nations within the United States as tribes uncivilized peoples dependent on it and subject to its complete authority. Drawing from the doctrine of discovery to justify the domestication of indigenous nations, the Marshall Trilogy fabricated laws to alienate aboriginal title and strip indigenous nations of their independence. too so I feel like you have notes ball.
2: here. Yeah, yeah, yeah you showed, I showed you uh, so, uh, f- first off, we uh, we covered the Doctrine of Discovery, right? And this is why. Um, because it's foundational to the legal justification for land theft, right? Because uh, there is a legal justification because they felt the need to legally justify it. These aren't our rules. These are rules you enforced on this land and you do not follow. And you just changed and made up as you please. <sighs> and it should also be noted that George Washington held a variety of views on indigenous people over his lifetime, but like all settlers, he was here to help replace indigenous people and expand the U S after fighting a bourgeois revolution, quote unquote revolution, I should say, uh, to do that very thing and keep slaves, uh, tax, the, uh, taxation without representation, uh, is more of a canard. Okay. And, uh, Two books I highly recommend to listeners is The Counter-Revolution of 1776 by Gerald Horn. Uh, quote, some Southerners are beginning to see that revolt against British rule not only uh, as a thrust toward independence, quote-unquote, opening even more the growingly profitable trade with Hispania and France, but as a simple attempt at survival in the face of a perceived attempt at their liquidation propelled by London and Africans alike, quote-unquote. So basically they had this huge conspiracy that they were, you know, being sold off themselves because they had been selling people so often. That's my, that's what I am convinced caused their thinking. Um, This paranoia, of course, expanded to indigenous people, uh, which I would actually say it's probably began with indigenous people even uh, due to similar reasons, which, uh, this book uh, admits is it cannot cover due to its scope, uh being limited to the 1770s and beyond. Uh, another book I recommend, however, is Nathaniel Philbrick's uh, Eye of a Hurricane. He's actually favorable to the revolutionaries, but he does make an excellent point for like the first five years, how much of absolute losers these guys were. I mean, just dweebs, and they had to wait for the motherfuckers to get drunk. That's the only reason they fucking had any chance. It is a consolation prize. That is what the United States is. It's like, oh, thanks for helping us defeat Britain. Ha 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 ha. You really helped. That's basically France. Uh, but even though the President Trump attempted to uh, terminate the Wapanawha nation, who had a, a major hand in uh, protests like the Mayflower 2 action uh, in uh 71 or 70 uh I can't remember off the top of my head uh but now the Supreme Court has essentially uh reopened public law 280 for consideration which uh well actually now it's i mean it's it's still in battling but judging from how this went with Iqua, it's going to be a states rights thing and fucking the states are going to say, fuck you, you know? Uh, but this is a continuation of termination and genocide in front of us. You're watching it happen and you're sitting there. What have you done? Let me ask. I'm being serious. What have you done? And ask yourself that. Cause genocide is happening in front of your eyes and this is how it happens. A stroke of the pen. I mean, literally, that's how it happened to Germany. They just... All of a sudden, it's legal to start rounding up your Jewish neighbors and stealing their stuff. And actually, the government's going to help you. So, you know, make the connection. And maybe now with the rise of anti-Semitism, make it more urgently. Yeah. Like, it's beyond obvious now that trans people are being targeted for genocide, just like they were in Germany communists will be indigenous people are and it's going to expand it's only going to get worse if we do not fight that is the only option you cannot ridicule this out of existence you cannot educate it out of existence blood is what this demands for a solution unfortunately it's uh going to be scary community defense everyone yeah like I'm, I wish I was being an alarmist. This is very measured. I think,
1: yeah. And on that bright note, we are there. We are there for the week. Ah, uh, we will be continuing our reading on page. Now we did a pretty darn good, eight pages. I mean. Wow, that was that was that's like four weeks of episodes right there. That was that was pretty fantastic. Yeah, what
2: happens <laughs> when Nathan's in the episode? Nathan's that's right. It gets like.
0: So between two episodes, we're at nine pages. So that's four and a half pages an episode. See, our pace is fine. <laughs> five episodes a page. <laughs> if we round uh, up.
1: <laughs> five pages an episode. Five episodes a page would be a a, a pace that would be terrifying. I, I, no, I was going to say I five. Mean,
2: on average, we do about half a section. Yes. Yeah. 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 When you say it that way. It sounds really good. It sounds
1: really good.
2: <laughs> that that one episode, we did the whole section. We did a like,
1: whole section. Oh, we blitzed that section. <laughs> I feel like we did like two whole sections today. I was pretty proud of us. Um, yeah. That being said, it is time for plugs. And for that, I
2: kick it over first to shugbani 2. 2. Uh, so, literally last episode, what was the number I gave? Do you
0: went uh, from 3,000 to... No, no, no. no. Oh. It was
2: the number I gave, like, how much we had already ri- risen.
0: Oh! Oh, goodness. I don't remember what the number was. Yeah, it was, hasn't it even was released too yet. So. Yeah.
2: That's funny. But yeah. We
0: hit the original goal.
2: So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for helping
1: everyone. (laughs) No, a lot of the
2: listeners did help. Thank Thank
1: you very very much to any listeners uh, that did pitch in. Thank you. Bottom of our
0: hearts. And those you didn't, the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and we're being playful about it because we don't have some cool air horn thing. But that is really No, that is awesome. No, but yeah, we already
2: already raised the money that we initially set out to. So now there's a U-Haul coming with wood. We got a bunch of coats coming from Alibaba. Uh, blankets we already have a bunch of blankets but more blankets uh food uh we're hunting a buffalo and feeding everybody that so that's cool uh (laughs) casually hunting a buffalo for the people (laughs) but then uh a bunch of different stuff is coming out of this and then you know i'm doing some research stuff after this uh ends um, but all the, all of the money we raise goes to this event specifically. Um, and this is going to be an annual thing. Uh, but we're, we're pushing for 4,500 to see if we can get a, a hotel room for us. So we don't have to sleep on people's couches. Uh, just a little comfortability. I feel like we deserve that. I don't know. I feel like that's fair. <laughs> I get a discount at the casinos hotel. So (laughs) I'm not that worried. It's like $50 a night. It's nothing. Um, and it's, it's just like, I was going to pay out of pocket for it. And so now it's like, Oh, okay. I don't have to, well, if we raise the money, whatever, but, uh, you know, a night or two is paid for already. So make that happen. And then the rest just goes to more blankets, more food, more clothes, yada, yada, yada. And, um, we'll just be, you know, basically stockpiling every year now, like trying to, you know, garner donations for this passively and then doing big pushes, uh, starting like September, I think next year, and then try to make it bigger, bigger, bigger every year. Uh, and that's, you know, whatever that should be good. Uh, it should, should be a great turnout. Um, we got a bunch of people helping us once we get there and I got some people coming out here to help. Uh, so that's just some good news on this end of things. Um, That said, you know, uh, if not us, donate to the Rec Bay Water Drive that I always mention. Uh, They've been doing it for a long time. Um, You know, any money that goes over the 45, I'll probably just send their way if that's okay with y'all. I mean, or maybe there's a better, you know, cause you want to inform me about. I don't know. But, uh, you know, like there's just a lot of different places uh, money should go right, and uh, I get we're all passing around the same five dollars with mutual aid, but um, you know, like <laughs> people need to survive if you want them to organize. Yes, that's and I fully believe it's
1: important to find the people that know where to make that five dollars impactful that you're passing around.
2: And right. that's well, that's like, critical uh, here. Somebody, you know, gave me like five hundred dollars or something like that uh, over the summer to fix my computer with, I got, well, cause I, I just like said, you know, the part, but like he gets discounts or whatever. And so then he gave me like the money for it and gave me his discount code. And then with the extra money, cause I saved like whatever I was able to then go work an odd job, double the money, then put it towards a bunch of the garden stuff. Plus then a new door, a bunch of other things. So like, you know, if a poor person's handling the money, They usually make it go much further than you'd think. Uh, I've just seen a lot of stupid uses of money in organizations. For the love of God, think about what you're doing and the viability of it. You know, is this something we can only do for the next five years? Or is this something we can use even into the revolution? You know, those are the decisions we need to be making right now, because if it's not usable beyond the next five years, it's useless. You know, it's
0: practically. I mean, there's certain things that we need to be thinking about for a short term boost. Caveat. Caveat being like it's needed for survival. But if it's outside of of being needed for, you know, your orgs or people's survival, it should be longer term than that.
2: Right. You shouldn't be like fucking, you know, investing in like a $300 scrapper that's going to break down the next 3 months that you need to replace over and over again you know cuz you're like the utility van idea is so good but i refuse to pay for a just a decent car you know that's like actually checked out and like there's there's a lot of different things you need to like consider like you know a good pair of boots kind of oh uh, who is it uh Terry Pratchett i think has the pair of boots analogy mm-hmm. where he says you know for a poor person you know boots aren't they can't get a nice pair of boots that will last them forever, so they're stuck in this cycle of poverty because they keep getting the cheap boots that fell apart quicker.
1: every every year they had to replace the pair of cheap boots where the, yeah, where the exactly. one guy who buys the one pair it'll last him ten years
2: well, theoretically, I mean like I, they don't make boots like they, they don't,
1: don't make boots like, like they that. used to make but. boots. <laughs>
2: <laughs> old old boomer talk now booth, <laughs> that's like, right We've, this I, is now a like, boomer podcast to you boomer chat. i just feel like boots don't go as far you like i feel like you know it's planned obsolescence becoming more apparent yeah. you know and that could just be me being
0: conspiratorial, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. So no, it's 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 absolutely right. That's why they make things where they can't repair anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. They, well, oh, was well, that? Well, okay, we have, but a lot it's of not cobblers. I don't know. Like
2: the UP is a very different place. <laughs> well, I just
0: <laughs> we still I have just, cobblers. I just mean everything you buy from, like you know, appliances to stuff hold, is it's to cars is less modular hold than on, it used to be. Hold on,
1: I'm I'm here to keep us on track, and I desperately you're want stuck to... on
0: the cobblers.
1: Don't you fucking t- t- <laughs> Don't you act like this is normal? Don't just say oh, we have tons of cobblers, and then David's like you're stuck on the cobblers. Of course, I'm stuck on the cobblers. What sort of medieval town oh, are we dealing with? Cobblers. Look, man,
2: I've tons I've seen of cobblers is like in one county. I knew at least five cobblers. Shigmoni
1: yeah, too. That's, that's too many, too many. cobblers. Shigmoni <laughs> <Sugar> <laughs> too. That's too many cobblers.
2: I understand Marquette County is one of the biggest counties in America for cobblers no i mean in general it's just one of the biggest counties per <laughs> land so like fucking having five cobblers is it impossible by land size but when you consider population size of the up it is inconceivable to have that many cobblers per capita it is,
1: it is it is ludicrous the number of cobblers involved in this scenario and i will not stand <laughs> for it um <laughs> oh god shagbani to continue with plugs <laughs>
2: Uh, go check out the cobbler. No. <laughs> Adam Sandler's movie on Netflix. Um,
0: My name is Tib, the cobbler. A rage and design boots. Um, uh, I don't. That's really a mighty Python joke, have. guys.
2: Oh, I mean, okay. So I guess I should plug this. So I am making this documentary with some alone people who are very uh, in like overshadowed and invisible uh, in their homelands. Um, like especially with like the occupation of Alcatraz, right very well-known event they were not involved um a lot of people don't realize that um a big issue in why the federal government didn't like uh listen to the demands is because ohlone people wrote the government and said hey if you're gonna give this land to anybody it should be us and maybe you should federally fucking recognize us too huh (laughs) and so like there is this you know active erasure that indigenous people were committing against other indigenous people in pursuit of liberation. And so um it's just a perfect example of like why you need to know where you are. You can't just do these actions without knowing and investigating your situation. You know, you can't just go out there and do revolution. You have to learn theory, which, you know, gets into the, you know, disclaimer or whatever. <laughs> but uh you know this uh, so we're raising money like if you want to give money past this fundraiser let me know specifically that you're giving it towards this other thing please um like in your donation or whatever uh or like message us on twitter letting us know that you gave it and saying that it can go to this but we're going to be going like after pine ridge i'm going to be going out to the Bay to interview some elders that I wasn't able to interview last time I was out there just due to um, <laughs> breaking my phone on this uh, Golden Gate Bridge. And then uh, one of the people had a thing with Food Network going on the day I went to their restaurant. So I never got to interview them. Very sad. Going to get to do that. But, it, you know, there's, there's a lot going on after this. And, um, you know, it'd be appreciated if you donated towards it, um goes to content you get to see and actually helps a people, you know, get their voice heard that you probably don't know much about. You know, uh, like uh, the shell mounds there were turned into tennis courts mm. uh, after being raided. Mm. So it's really fucked up. Yeah. That like the fucking Silicon Valley elites... Built their tennis courts out of our bones. You know. Gross. Well, on that bright note, we will condition to the
1: Mark's Madness disclaimers. Uh, the Mark's Madness plugs. Mark's Madness Pod can be found online on Twitter while it still exists. At Mark's Madness Pod. Uh, we are available on email. Uh, Pod at gmail.com. Uh, if you are still on Twitter and, and can access our bio, you can get a link to our Discord server where you can email it f- us for it and we'll send it to you that way as well. Uh, but our Discord server is just where Nathan especially hangs out day to day, shugmani 2 makes uh, appearances, and David is called by Bat Signal when he's needed. Uh, this is the. I'm called
2: by bad signal too, but I call it smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was racist. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, well, yes, but
1: it is—it is just a good community of people that I am proud to be a part of and proud to to have some part of maintaining. Um, and that being said, David, it's time for a disclaimer.
0: Yeah, and I I do think I mean we've done a disclaimer every episode of this this book so far, and we're deep enough into this book. That's not I true. think. That's not true. Either. Well, okay. I was going to say so many episodes That's of this book, true. we we spent most episodes. And so I think what I really want the disclaimer to be for the remainder of this book, even if I go back to the old one at the beginning of another book is just a reminder that, you know, the theory is completely useless without the praxis um, and praxis is this theory in action. And we want this out there guiding your actions. That's why we're here. And right now, those actions should be heavily focused, of course, as always on, you know, educating, and providing for your community, but also community defense. Um, this is a time where, like Shigmani pointed out, we need to be there for each other. That means providing for each other. Uh, don't stop providing for each other. That means educating each other. Don't stop doing that. But that also means defending each other. Okay. And this needs to be viable defense. You need to talk about, you know, with the victims what the they end. need.
2: Oklahoma is about to detransition people 21 and under. Like they have yeah.
0: a bill and like
2: fucking get together. This yeah. is about and, to get fucking wild.
0: And Texas is still going on with the the traumatizing families that are supportive of their trans kids. Um I mean, people, you know, are fleeing that state and what's the next state over? Well, Oklahoma, that's <laughs> you know, that that you can't go there. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is important. We need to be out there fighting for each other. Absolutely
1: amen as always well that being said this has been mark's madness pod we read books uh my name is nathan
0: my name's david i am shung money
1: and we will talk to y'all next week bye
2: bye gotcha.